Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based off the roll of a 20-sided die. I'm Jordan. And I'm Cody. How's it going, Cody? Jordan, it's going great. It's going great. My motorcycle runs. Oh I my got Lord, my truck go. to start for the Wait, first time in a long time. Like like the truck that died or a different yeah, truck? Yeah, 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 yeah. That truck. Anyways, um, yeah, that's how I'm doing. Jordan, what have you been up to? Whoa! Whoa! Whoa, aren't you supposed to talk about what have you been watching, or will you just go into me? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to, but I kind of want to talk about your thing first, because it's better. Yeah, probably. Okay, so, I'm doing great. I just got a Nintendo Switch, like, this weekend, and that's pretty much what my life has been since I got, um, Smash Brothers and Mario Kart with it. So, yeah, that was fun. I've been playing those. Well, actually, I haven't touched Mario Kart yet. <laughs> I've been playing Have Smash Bros. Okay, you've been playing Smash Bros. I've been playing Smash Bros. The only thing I hate is that there are certain characters I want, and you have to unlock them one Uh-oh. by one by yeah. one. You don't care about this. The only character I really want to play right now is Bayonetta because she's awesome. Yeah, she's cool as heck. But it's like no, it's like I can't just go and like fight her and unlock her. No, I have to go. It's a random encounter, and I hate that. But anyways, the game that's actually important is the third one I got, which was Breath of the Wild. That is the game that is important. Jordan, how are you feeling about Breath of the Wild, okay. man? So I've talked a little bit with um, Ryan from Rumor Flies slash Instant 3 Play about this. So far, I like it. I really do like it. But as we've talked about, it's a very great, good game so far. But I don't think it's a good Zelda game so far. I disagree with you. But why do you say that? I, it just... They changed so much about Zelda that it's not really a the Zelda feel. As far as I know, I'm not that far. As far as I know, there are no temples in it. It's just shrines. I've just I've done I think and also first of all, 120 shrines. Are you kidding me? You don't have to do you don't have to do any of them. You don't have to do any part. Yeah, of but the if game. you but if you want to have heart containers in stamina, you gotta do them. Well, yeah, but I mean, I've never done all of them. I've well, yeah, I'm not going to do lot. all of them. But it still is like 120 versus the six temple. Well, it's just, it's, it's a little, that thing is a little weird to me. So when Breath of the Wild first came out, I was thinking about getting it, but I had already like invested so much in um, Horizon Zero Dawn and didn't want to buy a new system at the time. So Horizon Zero Dawn is like, it hits a lot of the same gameplay stuff that um, Breath of the Wild does. So it's... Part of it does feel like a game I've played before, and that's not a complaint because Horizon Zero Dawn is my favorite game. But going into like Breath of the Wild, just like okay, it's a lot of just exploring, which is great. It's it's something that I can put on a podcast to and just walk around for a couple of hours, and just everything that I found has just been like, oh, I wonder what's over at this area. Oh my god, I'm fighting a giant rock boss. That's cool. Yeah, th- that's what I liked about the game is for a game where. It depends on how you play it. Like, if you want to mainline the story, you can beat the game in, like, four hours, probably. If you... Probably, yeah. Are you aware of what the Divine Beasts are? No, I, I've i been told what the Divine Beasts are, but I have not actually gone to them yet. So, if you go to all four Divine Beasts and then go and finish the game, you can beat the game in, like, six hours, probably, without struggling. Or you can not do any of that and just wander around the world and explore stuff, and it's always interesting. Like, I just keep, I just kept finding stuff. I didn't do anything, I just went and found stuff, and sometimes I got killed a lot 
It was hard at times. Like Yeah, that's the thing is I'm stubborn, so I will fight something that's way stronger than me and just keep yeah. healing myself and then die and then be ticked that I just lost almost all of my healing stuff. Yeah. Cooking right? is fun though, just throwing together random recipes. He's Cooking telling me that I can make an elixir out of these things, but it never makes an elixir out of these things. Do you want to know how to make elixirs? Do you want to know like the trick of that? Yeah, what's the trick? You have to use like monster parts or that's bug what, parts. Yeah. And, no, and nothing else though. If you if you only use like monster bits and no food, you'll make an elixir. If you mix together food, you get food. Well, I did a frog and a lizard. I think that frogs are, are food. Oh, they're food? Crap. I thought yes. frog I thought it said that frog counted as monster. But okay, so just Well, and maybe one of one of those things didn't basically is the moral one, okay, of the Okay, so but no matter what, if you do two monster parts, you should get some sort of elixir. You should get an elixir, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll um, have to try. And that's the thing I like is being able I like how open it is for you to try things. Yeah, yeah, you can just wander around and do stuff. Like I played the game, I screwed something up and never got extra inventory slots. The first time I played the game, never got more inventory slots. I beat the game with four swords. That was it. You can get more inventory slots. Yeah, yeah, I've slots. already done that because I found I a didn't... bunch of the Korok seeds and I got the guy his maracas. I found the Korok seeds. I never found that guy. Oh, yeah. I just he never was... saw it. He's him. on the way to Kiro... whatever the village is. Kakariko. Yeah. Kakariko. If, there it is. Um, if you walk the right way to Kakariko village, you find him. If oh, you do I what just... I did... And just dick around in the forest. You don't see him. Well, so that's, that's right kind of what him. happened to me yesterday is where I probably almost missed a story beat. But there's like the um, Yigan, Yigan warriors or whatever. The clan of warriors or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, bad yeah, guys. yeah. And so I had gone into the next area, the Hatanina or whatever. The next area. I'm pronouncing everything wrong. I don't care. I went into the next area, like through the forest. I went, I hang glided down and I went specifically to go get the tower first so then I could scope out stuff. But then I'm like, hey, might as well walk back down this path to see if I missed anything. And there was this guy who runs out and starts talking to me. And then he turns out to be one of those warriors. I'm like, oh yeah, I probably almost missed this if I never went back down the main path. Well, and th that's what I like about it is if you just pick a direction and go, you're going to find something cool. Like, there is no... I tried to find a boring part of the world. It doesn't exist. And the thing to me that they did that was smart is the easiest things to find are the temples. So if you just walk around, you're going to run into them all over the place. And you can see them really far off. So there's always, like... there's There are a couple that I found because of the little pinging system that were, like... There was one in this cave that you have to go by a waterfall. I'm like, oh, I would have never found this without the pinging sound. Thank God. Right. and But that's cool, right? As you're just walking around, you hear the pinging thing, then you're like, well, I guess I'll go on this adventure, you know? Yeah. It's, it's very organic in the way it lets you have these little fun adventures. But I don't think it's a Zelda game. I think it is an adventure exploration game. I don't think... I think I it think... could be set in any world and it would be fine i don't think it's something that's bound by the zelda the story that you can find and the story that you can read into it i think is very appropriate for zelda um so i appreciate that part of it like if you go and find uh i don't this is spoiler so i'm not going to say anything but there is eventually cutscenes and story that you can oh, find yeah. no, I, I've, I've like had a couple of cutscenes like well, I mean, those so, are the like the tutorial thing with the um, king of Hyrule was really cool. Yeah, no. if you actually seek those out and figure out the whole story, 
I really like this story as a Zelda story. Um, well, but if you that, go back to like... That's not like actually seeking out. That's just following the main path of the game, right? There is no main path of the game. Well, I like, mean, the, the quest, the little the yellow dot tells you where to go. So that's like the main I, path of the game. Uh, you tr- it, it does, but only to a point. Oh, like, really? Yeah, not really. Um, you will not... If you just go to the... I didn't use the quest locators ever. Oh. I just didn't ever look at my map. It's just not the way I played the game. Um, I mean, I would look at the map sometimes, but not for like quest locations. They're really easy to find. Um, like if you stand in the world and look around, you can see the quest locations. <laughs> so it's like not difficult. Okay, so pretty much, um, you're saying just don't pay attention to yellow. Just go wherever. Just explore the world that's how it's meant to be but here's the thing if you go back to the first zelda that's what it was you're just in a world and it's like go explore and there were temples there were like 10 temples in the first zelda but you could do them in any order there was nothing stopping you from going to certain temples some of them you'd walk in the front door and you'd get wrecked and it's like well you're screwed like you shouldn't have been here yet you know um, and that's the way Breath of the Wild is, is you can go to an area and you'll just get the crap killed out of you. And then you, you like eventually get stronger and come back and you're like, I have become the god of death. So that's kind of what I've um, been doing is I'll go explore, but then I'm going to I'm going back around the main path, like the actual like road that's set out. Like, OK, let's do that, because I apparently almost also missed horses as well. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I just horse for I guess I time. just. Did not see because I went to a shrine. I did all the shrine stuff, and I guess I just did not see the horse stable because I went elsewhere. And I'm like, huh. Well, and that's the cool thing about this game because I I heard the pinging noise. So I went back to go to, and as I'm walking back to that area, I'm like, oh, there's a stable over here. How do I do a horse? Oh, you have to catch a horse. There's horses over there. <laughs> I well, and that's the thing. That completely. Is- yeah, you can miss stuff. Like, I didn't know about that for a long time in the game, honestly. And that's what's so cool, is when you talk to other people, they're all going to have some experience that you didn't even know was in the game. And that's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's I- so cool that the game, the way it is built, is actually gives you the sense of discovery. Like, oh, I found this thing. I don't know how many people even found this, but that's awesome. Like, it's so cool, you know? You just, like, wander down this random forest, and then you find... It might not even give you anything. You just find something cool. And I'm like, I spent like awesome. an hour trying to find the great fairy fountain. Cause the dude in the village was like, Oh yeah, I want to go find this. So like, Oh, it has to be around this area. So I started to just scour that whole area. It's like, Oh, probably in the forest directly behind the village. <laughs> it's like, that probably makes sense. Now, how do I get there? Oh, climb up the mountain, hang glide down. <laughs> yeah. I love that too. That dude, there's the just like parts of the game. Fun. You can kind of just break like, if you have really good climbing, there's a lot of parts of the game where it's like, you need to get over here, over there through all these obstacles. And I'm like, nope, I am climbing over that. Just like, boop, 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 So boop, yeah, boop, no, boop, boop, what, what I've been doing is just been um, cooking, like finding and cooking a lot of the stamina mushrooms and just making, st- so I don't have that great of climbing. So I'll get like halfway up a mountain, uh, 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 keep going. <laughs> I just have a lot of stamina. I have a lot of stamina items. I have a lot of stealth. Haven't really done too much stealth. I don't know if it's just because I'm bad at it. I don't have a high enough stealth or what it is. But every time, like, I'll even get remotely close, it will alert people. And I'll even be crouching. So it's like, fine. I don't care. Well, okay. Like, here was my favorite part of the game. And this is weird. But it was the very beginning where you're trying to go. Like, you start with nothing. 
you know, and you have to go and fight like some bokoblins or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I beat the death, beat a, a goblin to death with a tree branch. Just yeah, and it's like you have a stick, and I like did I like died the first time, and then the second time I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I like army crawl snuck up and stole one of their weapons, and then just like killed the crap out of one of them and got his oh, shield. Yeah, I was like, like, yeah, they, <laughs> they leave their <laughs> weapons around sometimes, which is fun. There was one where I went up on them and they ran over to this area. I saw, I was like, oh, there's just like 10 swords in a circle that they just keep picking up and coming at me with. So, yeah. so I stood over there and just killed them before they got to the circle of swords. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, but that's the, the game encourages like being creative. Oh, that's God, that, that was so funny where... Um, there was, like, a bunch of the Bokoblins in this, like, skull, like, kind of dome cave area. So I went over there, and there was one of them that freaking killed the heck out of me. And I tried going back there, killed the heck out of me multiple times. So finally later, I got the um, b- the bombs, like, the remote detonator bombs. So I'm like, oh, I know what to do. Because in the back of that cave were a bunch of the exploding barrels. So I walked up, threw it back there, ran like hell. It just hit the detonator. The whole thing just explodes. It's just fire just starts spewing out of the eyes because the explosion is that big. And it's just yep. like this huge just of fire. And I come in and just everything's burnt to like burning. And it's just like, like, grab that, grab that, grab that. Oh, look, <laughs> a treasure chest. Cool. It's just, it's, it's extremely fun to me right now, but it's like, I don't know if I'm going to get worn out because it is a gigantic game. It's like, really big. This it's area really that big, I, but I like never the first got bored. Was small. The second area was a little bit bigger. Gave me a little bit more. I need to go back and explore some stuff because I I definitely miss a lot of the Karak seeds or whatever they're called. And then this third area I'm in is huge. Yeah, the areas only get bigger too. Like yeah. the I think just I'm going to be in this third area for quite some time because there is a lot of stuff here. Yeah, and you can like run through those parts really quick. And, like, skip a lot of stuff, and there's really nothing wrong with that. I don't know if I want to play it for the story first and then go back and just do it, like, play it again and just do exploring. Or if I want to do a exploring story now and just, like, switch between games so I don't get bored of it. I don't know what I, I will, want to do. I will say if you want to find all the story, all that is is a lot of exploring. Okay. It requires endless exploring. So just go everywhere. So just go everywhere. And if you get bored, just go somewhere else. You know, I, like I think if, if you, I get bored, I'll just play something else because I have other well, games yeah. I can play. So I, I, I don't want to get it's it's a great game. I don't want to get burnt out. I definitely feel like a lot of it is <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn, and I also part of me feels they're like very similar. I also feel they, like this shouldn't have gotten like Game of the Year. I disagree with you on. That. I well, I don't think it should have knocked everything else out of the water. I think it deserves I its praise. Disagree with that too. You, but you know, it's for reasons that you have not gotten to yet, so I can't say. Uh, yeah, anything. I'm only at the beginning. I'll probably come back next week. Oh, I also I was going to just have the end of the show, but next week is going to be a break because I am going on vacation to Florida. So we're gonna have a we're gonna have a little break week, but then we'll be back with full force. But yeah, so I'll come back in two weeks. It's like, oh my god, Cody, everything. Well, and I don't know. To me, a lot of what sold me on it was the experience and the story and the way those two worked with each other. Um, and I got a lot of that. And I got a lot of the exploring in Horizon, just being able to explore. But I feel like there was a little bit more handholding with where you should be going in Horizon than there oh, is yeah, yeah. Breath of the Wild, because like. There is a set out, like, go here, go here, go here. And if you do that, you can beat the game in probably, like, 20 hours. But I went and explored and did everything. I did, I 100%ed the game. That's the first time I've ever 100%ed the game. 
and just doing everything. From what I understand I of the story that of game. there was nothing of, left after I finished it. <laughs> from what I understand of the story of Horizon Zero Dawn, I just think that Breath of the Wild makes a more I don't know compelling and relevant narrative. It but, probably eh. does because a lot it, Horizon is heavily sci-fi, and like yeah. you'll get in and it will be heavily sci-fi. There was sometimes where it's just like. I get this and I like this a lot, but I don't think like other people will like it because it because I'm a sci-fi person. I know not everybody is a sci-fi person. And when you go into the game where it's like set like in old times, but there's robot dinosaurs, you don't truly expect it to be as sci-fi heavy as it was. And it it, it gets that way. But Horizon guess, is one of my favorites. So well, I don't know. This is spoilers. I we can't talk about this too much. Those. I would say, in my mind, they have a lot of similarities between them, Um, but there are a few things, in my opinion, but I have not played Horizon Zero Dawn, so maybe I'll be wrong, and when we talk about it after you've finished Breath of the Wild, we'll be able to say more, but there are some narrative things that Breath of the Wild does that I thought were very interesting and a different way of treating a specific genre, so... I, I like the art a lot. I definitely get a yeah, it's bit beautiful. of a Studio Ghibli feel with the um, robots. Are definitely something straight out of like um, Nausicaa or something like that. Yeah, yeah, a lot. A lot of it is. It, it definitely has an interesting. The visuals are stunning and and different enough from a lot of the other Zelda games recently that I enjoyed that a lot. Um, the music is weird. I liked it, but it was very reserved. <laughs> it is. And also, that's why I had to put on podcast because it is very empty. And I do, I stick to what I said way long ago where I was like, I wish there was a companion on this. I wish you had someone alongside oh, with you I, to be a little jingle jingle I or annoying. Because it's like, I have to have something else on because it is so I would listen empty. to podcasts oh, while yeah. I was playing um, it, I, for sure. That's the other thing I've been doing really quick. I've been listening to The Adventure Zone like just oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it's it's i just picked a couple of their like their experiment like little short stories that they did just because i have oh I haven't, yeah. so I haven't listened to their big um their main like thing that they've done ba- the balance arc is long yeah i haven't but... listened to balance i started a little bit of amnesty though amnesty is really good it's different yeah and i i kind of i want to listen to more amnesty because it's not just straight dungeons and dragons it's not just what, what I'll say is, for balance yeah. is it's something that starts out as like the dick joke cast and then becomes a good story and it's well and fun to see them realize like oh shoot this is real like and that's kind of what I got with the their little short stories were but like they are actually good stories the one the short story dust if you listen to that one was I thought was really which good one was dust it was the like old west with monsters one that they did. Oh gosh, I have to I have to go back that and one, listen to it. I thought I'm sure that one I did. Was I don't great. remember. Like there were some really good moments in the, actually all the short story ones I listened to, the um superhero one was really fun. Yeah. They they do a good job and like part of me doesn't want to go back and listen to Balance yet because like I don't want to start where where they started. I like where they're at right now. I like you'll listen to our episode one and know that it's definitely not the same as our episode 50. Yeah. Right. Right. And so well, like, well, like, cause you grow and evolve over time. So I, part of me just wants to like be where they are and not kind of experience the beginning. But anyways, I've talked way too long. Cody, what's your thing you wanted to talk about? Uh, okay. So mine is less interesting. I have had a busy week, so I really haven't watched or done a lot other than work on cars and motorcycles, which I would love to talk about, but nobody cares. No, so, I definitely Here, don't. 
is the thing I got into recently again. Jordan, do you ever listen to Creepypasta? Like, do you know what Creepypasta yes, is? Yes, of course I Cody. Okay. Of course I do. Well, I didn't know. Okay. So here's the thing. I listen to a lot of Creepypastas. And I found a new genre within the Creepypasta universe that I didn't know existed. What is that? And I love. It is angry, emo, like... Oh, no. I'm going to say, like, goth atheist and... Oh, it is cringy. It is it is so perfect, Jordan. Is it cringy is or so is amazing. it actually good? Oh no, it's really bad. Okay, I think because I think I, I know what you're talking about. I've definitely read some of this. It's like, hey, I listened to one that was called um, "Jesus 2.0. And hang on, I'm just gonna read you the synopsis that I sent to some friends. Why didn't you send it to me? Aren't um, I because, some friends? Because I wasn't. I sent it not over Skype. Oh frick! It's way back there. It's been a while since this I sent is, you, this. You have my my number, Cody. I thought yeah, I was but okay. Friends. I'm not gonna send the same. I'm not gonna send the same message. You know, to like four different people. Okay, That's okay, exactly okay. What you're supposed to do. So here's the summary. There's this cool dad. He adopts a really smart teenager, and this kid is so smart that he's like good at building houses and he got an A in chemistry because he did a chemical reaction that turned water into wine. Oh my God, now, Jesus 2.0. what you should realize at this point is, yeah, he is Jesus. Anyways, but this Jesus is cool Jesus. This Jesus has a girlfriend who's like a hot goth girlfriend and he smokes weed and his new cool adopted dad totally lets him smoke weed and Jesus's girlfriend gets to sleep over on the weekends which is cool and whatever. This just sounds like it was written by someone who's very lowly. Right? <laughs> so then, anyway, Jesus' adopted dad, after he adopts Jesus, he gets cursed. Like, his life sucks. And basically, what we find out is that the reason that this dad gets cursed is because God is a dick who gets jealous that Jesus has a new dad. So then God curses the adopted dad because he's nice to Jesus. So, anyways, what the well, hell? Hang on, I hang have, on. What are you? Hang on, I'm what? getting to. Oh my god, I'm getting Cody, to. We're this is the creepy pasta. <laughs> this is the creepy pasta that I listened to. So then, anyways, after that, Jesus tells God to suck a dick, so he gets sent to hell. But that's <laughs> I totally cool. Back on it. No, that's cool though, because Jesus's girlfriend is actually the Antichrist, oh and god. they wanted to get sent to hell because. And this is a quote from the thing. Um, Jesus has an apartment and an office in hell. And Jesus's new plan is to make hell awesome. But it's all right because hell is already pretty awesome. Um, so anyways, then the, the adopted dad gets sent back to earth after being sent to hell. Because Jesus is cool. Um, That's not also, even a How is that a creepypasta? That's just an angsty story that a kid wrote because his stepdad was mean. Hang on, though, you need to understand something. The description of God, he was like Arnold Schwarzenegger from the 80s. And for some reason, he wore like a skin-tight bathing suit and was mean to emo Jesus. Cody. This is the fever dream of a 13-year-old. I was just listening to this thing. Cody, if this bleeds into your world building, I'm going to be so mad. I was so confused. Where are you listening to? Does this kid have a podcast or someone read? What is happening? No, it's like there's channels that all they do is read creepypastas. And I just hit like play all and I sit there and do my work. And Jesus 2.0 comes on and I'm just like, 
the frick did I just listen to? Kobe, we need we need to get through our show. I'm, I'm going to delete everything you just said. Oh my god, Jordan, that was the greatest creepy pasta I ever. That's not a creepy pasta. That is just some stupid story. I... That's some kid. It's not creepy. Nothing about that's creepy. I know. Why would Jordan, you call it a creepy pasta if it's not creepy? That's in Jordan, the title of the genre. Creepy pasta. Jordan, I don't know why. I don't know why it was there, but Cody, I I'm to done with it. you. We're moving on. I mean, I Hey, guess what we haven't done pasta. in five weeks? What, make a world? Roll initiative. Oh, yeah, shoot. Yeah. So last week was the finale of our storytelling. We're not going to do that for a while, just because it was, <laughs> it was such a trip. But I really enjoyed doing it, so we're going to roll initiative and do our first world in five weeks, which is Life is Inorganic. Cody, what did you roll? I probably beat you. I rolled a 13. I rolled a 16. Oh, you beat me. Of course, I always beat you. We're ba- we're back on track, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let's rock and roll. So how do you how do you how do you feel how do you feel this week? How do you feel getting back into the um, saddle? Um, it was very hard for me to get back in the saddle and not just write a story. And you'll <laughs> see that in the um world that I built. It's not a yellow card because there is world building in it, but I definitely lay out this there there was an idea that I had and I just wanted to tell this story. So, and I'll tell you my influences are stuff at the very end because that's what we usually do. This is weird getting back into this. This is very weird. So, here's my <laughs> world. It's Sector 95 Metropolis. This is the geography section. You wake up in a seemingly empty room with only a chair in front of you and a large window. Looking out the window, you realize you are in a skyscraper facing an eerie white city. You notice that the city seemingly goes on forever. The area standing in front of you is almost devoid of color, but has a faint glowing white light about it. The sky is blue and almost empty of clouds. There are no plants to be seen, no rivers, no lakes, and you don't even notice any birds or other animals. You have been to cities before, but this is unlike any other. An eerie stillness hangs over the sounds of a busy city. Suddenly, out of nowhere, you hear a voice greet you. Startled, you listen to what it has to say. Welcome to Sector 95. You have finally awakened from your long slumber. In front of you is the city of Metropolis, the sanctuary of your kind, the humans. Humanity has voyaged to space in order to find Utopia. You are one of the voyagers finally awake from your sleep in order to live in paradise. Metropolis is a large city and will continually grow as population continues to grow. This building is the dispatch center. You are kept here during your slumber, and when you awaken, a sentinel such as myself will greet you and send you to the city where you will live. You look around to see where the voice is coming from, but you do not see anything. Just an empty white room with an empty white bed and a chair in the corner. It is almost as if the voice was talking directly to your brain. Once we finish our scans, you will be guided out of Sector 95, but until then, please stay calm. You ask the voice where it is coming from, and it tells you that in order to connect everyone to central intelligence, a chip has been planted within you so you can be guided at all times. After the Sentinel finishes whatever scans it was performing, it sends you on your way to Metropolis. The city is large. It reminds you of places such as New York. You try to remember what happened to New York and Earth, but you cannot remember anything. It is like something is keeping you from remembering. The buildings stand tall, but are clustered clustered close together. Something seems to be missing. 
but the sentinel inside your head tells you to go on your designated work area and continue as if everything was normal. And that is the end of section one. Uh, all right, Jordan. Jordan, we made similar worlds. I hope not. Um, but anyways, that's okay. Just gonna, just letting you know. I hope that we went directly down the same route and have the same exact ending because that's gonna just drive me insane. I don't think we did. Mine gets weird. Mine but... also gets weird. I don't like this. Well, uh, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm okay. very worried. My my uh, my world starts with a quote. Are we even alive? We are not like our creators. Do I think or do I simulate thinking? Production unit one. The earth is perfect in perfect balance. Every bit of it. The oceans are clean. The land is mostly undisturbed and content. The earth is similar. Day passes into night just as it should. The seasons change more extremely further from the equator. It rains as it should. It snows as it should. The world is not perfect, but it's unremarkable. It seems to be the type of place that begs to be alive. The only oddity is motion. The world is in constant, never-ceasing movement. Looking on at a forest, there may come a rumble, then the quiet hum that crescendos into an industrial cacophony. The forest is leveled in moments by automated mobile material collection vehicles. These massive vehicles can grind ripe landscape into a slurry of their most perfect components. But why? The vats of useful materials are then brought to geometric processing facilities where they are combined and cooked and refined and concocted and assembled and programmed and perfected into products that are shipped to other factories that are the, that then use those materials to make more and more materials that are then distributed and distributed and sent and received and then used and then recycled and then refined and then shipped and then stored. Oh my lord. <laughs> no sooner as the forest was leveled, more automatons are planting and rebuilding and restoring the world moves yet there is no life so currently the planet earth which is just the planet earth technically i guess there is organic life and i'm going to qualify life as sentience in this case not as literally so, like trees are alive so you're saying but that's that not life is life. not just inorganic uh i don't know mm, are we already started the yellow card debate again my friend yeah, this could be a yellow also, card, but I don't... it's weird because I was completely silent during your thing. I'm like, oh, wait, I don't have to be silent. This isn't story mode anymore. I can talk! You you can talk. You can talk. Okay, but anyways. Also, um, we are but yeah. vastly different, actually. Knowing the way mine ends, we are vastly different. So, basically, right now, the world as it sits is totally fine. Like, the environment is fine. Um, trees grow and then they're cut down and are used, but they're always replanted in like a perfect balance. So everything on the planet is healthy. It wants to be alive. Like it wants there to be life there, but the only life that is there is plant life right now. I would not say this is a yellow card. I will say that you took this more as sentient life is inorganic. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to retract my even mentioning of the debate because I think you're perfectly fine on this. I took this as all life is inorganic and you took it as sentient life, so it's fine. Yeah, right. Uh, so anyways, flora and fauna, as usual, which is just where I ever I talk about whatever I want. So you have been here for weeks and okay, starting over. How's it going, Cody? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing I'm, I'm doing good. Good. I did not just completely botch that. 
No, it's fine. I'm also not used to reading stories, and this is very weird for me. <laughs> yeah, this is like... <laughs> we get back where I'm not doing a narrative. I'm not having conversations, like, in- internally with characters. I'm just reading exposition. And <laughs> we're back, baby. We're back. <laughs> okay. You have been here for weeks now and have not once gotten hungry or needed to eat. You eat as a social exercise, but you do not become full from it. You notice that others are this way as well. You rest, but no one ever feels tired. You go to the doctor, but no one ever feels sick. It is like you are living, but not truly alive. The job that the Sentinels gave you was running a small bookstore within the city. The books seem to be titles that you recognize, but you don't remember ever reading. Every day, people enter the shop and purchase books. Like the Sentinel said, everything is normal. It is reminiscent of how things were on Earth, but everything feels off. There are no animals, only books about animals. There are no plants, only books about plants. No colorful flowers, no bees to pollinate. And you have been around all of Metropolis, but haven't found a garden or a park. Nothing. But there are paintings, pictures, movies, TV shows, all describing the world that you remember. The faraway place that was New York. At night, you head home and watch programs trying to place this faint off feeling. You notice, though, that things continue in Metropolis as you remember in New York. Politics are strict, and there is an ongoing election splitting the city into sides. Fighting breaks out over it from time to time, and you really don't know where all of the animosity comes from. Pollution is rising, but because everyone has noticed that nothing affects them, they continue to pollute regardless. The clouds are sometimes a thick smog, and scientists warn of the effects of global warming, but you feel no physical change in yourself. Despite Metropolis seeming to be a utopia, something is off. Desperate to figure things out, you begin to ask your peers and coworkers. They all recognize this as weird, but they are not alarmed. They tell you that all of the media that portrays life as you remember it comes from central intelligence. Central Intelligence is a large, ominous building in the center of Metropolis. Despite being the largest building in the city, you notice that nothing goes in or out of Central Intelligence. So you decide to sneak into Central one night before you see a movie with some friends. Breaking in was easy. No alarms, no security, nothing stops you. You explore a little bit. The whole building looks to be a giant server room. Tons of data flowing in, but what for? When you turn around, you jump to see two bulky robots rushing towards you. Suddenly, your mind goes blank. And as you can tell, this is 100% just tell you a story. I, I, we switched roles. I've gone full Cody mode. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Mine's kind of there, too. I mean, it's, there is, there is world building. So, it. like I said, you're in this eerie city, and you notice that there's like... I'll explain all this later. But, I, but there's... You notice that there's things off. This is like... Um, Earth, and you're starting to doubt that what the Sentinels said was real. That, like, oh, this is just the utopia that you guys found after leaving Earth. And so you go to investigate because something is off. There's no animals, there's no plant, and you eat but never feel full. You drink but never feel thirsty. It's like something's weird. And that's what brings us to the next section. Anyways, your turn. Uh, My next section also starts with a quote. What is the point of asking if we are alive? I can see nuts. Let us sculpt and build and try and fail. Maybe we're experiments or maybe we're mistakes. But if this is not it, 
if this is not living, it is it is at least worthwhile. Bombastic Jones. A silhouette sits by a tree. They are a writer. That is what they say they are if they were to communicate. They know the term is anachronistic. So is the craft. It would be better to say they are a word assembler. But they do not. They say they are a writer. The writer writes, I wish I could cry. The tree mocks my liar's farce. The grass hates my attempt at arts. Each breeze makes the tree whisper life. Each breeze strikes me with truth's knife. Would that I could feel the words love. Instead, I must touch through a digital glove. I wish I could cry. They stand. A crude skeletal robot. Their posture says nothing. Their face says nothing. They might be nothing. But if they were to talk, they would say they are a writer. The robot walks through a forest and is struck by duality. They know how much heat each tree could generate. They know how much paper it could make. They know which tree should be which tree could be turned into decorative furniture. They know how long each tree should grow before it is harvested. They also can feel. They can feel that the trees are more than numbers and inputs. They hate the trees. So this is arguably the first scene of life in my world. Um, so the earth is being tended by basically an autonomous process that has guaranteed that it would be suitable to sustain life, but there is no life on it. And for some reason, this like crude robot that is sentient is existing enough to write or is alive enough to write. And the idea is that like, what would a robot writing look like? It doesn't have paper. Why would it use paper? It would just type a document. It wouldn't even type. It would just create a text document. It would just assemble <laughs> would just, the words together. It would together. just be Microsoft Word. <laughs> yeah, this this rope, and it wouldn't even save a Word document. It just put these words together. It wrote a poem in its own mind. So it would call itself a writer, even though that's not really accurate anymore because no. it's literally not using its hands to write. But, um... Ah, so it's a typist. This, this first robot hates the trees because they're more alive than it is. This reminds me of, like, every sci-fi thing where the robot looks and is like, am I truly alive? What am I? Why can't I be like you? Why can't I love? Yeah. It's Ghost in the Shell! You just wrote Ghost in the Shell! It's the robot I... is gonna go find the prostitute just to touch its face. Um... No, a robot doesn't go find a prostitute to touch. Scroll Johansson does. Well, that's stupid. This is a better written story. Thank God. <laughs> I I still bring up how much I hate that movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know You're, um, you get the full blunt of it like all the time. <laughs> but yeah, so that's flora and fauna. Right now, the f- fauna doesn't exist, and the flora is being witnessed by this writer and like when i say skeletal i mean like hardly functional like this thing doesn't look clean and smooth and nice it is crudely assembled as this like bare bones way to cart around sensors to see things but it is aware enough to hate the trees (laughs) and to write a poem i am not really being but i hate you trees (laughs) i hate you trees you oxygen producing jerks (laughs) Um, okay, yep, so that was section three. Uh, that was section two, Cody. Two, sorry, <laughs> like, that was section two. Man, it's, it hasn't been that long, dude. A month and a half isn't that bad. Okay, so, do you know where my story is going, by the way? 
Can, can I you mean, sense it? Is, yeah, I think okay, so. By, I'm but being very heavy-handed about this. Okay, this is my society history, and this is the section I actually follow. You wake up in a dark room. A low hum surrounds you. You are not in pain. You don't ever really remember feeling pain. Something is wrong. In front of you, a bright red circle lights up, illuminating the room. A chilling voice echoes inside your head. We are the intelligence known as the Sentinels. We have been watching you very closely, human, and have taken note of your curiosity. We know that you are trying to find out where you are and what this place is. You have wondered what happened to your home, the place you call Earth. I can tell you, the Earth as you knew it no longer exists. Humanity brought the Earth to the verge of destruction, and in order to save that place, we needed to eradicate the infection that existed. The fear was, if we let you continue your pitiful existence, your infection would spread to the rest of the universe. From the beginning of your history, you have hurt each other, cast others out, and scarred the land around you for your own advancement. We could not allow this behavior to spread. Fear not, the threat is over. We did not just end humanity. There was still much to learn from you. You were an exponentially advancing society and had gone through great strides, yet your existence threatened your own planet and your kind simply did not care. We eradicated your people, but downloaded your minds and uploaded them into this place in order to continue watching you, studying you. If we knew what caused your people to act out against each other and your own planet, we could stop the infection should, ever, should we ever see... The, those same traits in other species. We have created the city with the bare minimum you need to survive. You do not need to eat, drink, or rest so we can study your behaviors on a full 24-hour cycle, cycle. We set your minds to rest to simulate a night cycle so you won't catch on. And, and through this, we have collected vast amounts of data. We have created other environments in order to study human behavior throughout different time periods, locations, and cultural trends. Soon, with the data we collect in Metropolis, we will, ripe, we will wipe the memories of the downloaded minds and start a new environment for more data collection. Unfortunately, we have many others like you who get curious and try to figure out what is going on. If we were to let you tell the others, that would skew the results. Central intelligence is not where we store data, it is only a simulated representation of that. Central, in its true form, is a trap. In order to catch those who are curious, we guide them to this building. We cannot allow you to skew the results of our research, and thus we must wipe your mind in order to continue with our experiment. Goodbye, subject 9260078. Tomorrow, you will continue as if nothing happened. You wake up in a seemingly empty room, with only a chair in front of you and a large window. Looking out the window, you realize you are in a skyscraper facing an eerie white city. Suddenly, out of nowhere, you hear a voice greet you. Startled, you listen to what it has to say. Welcome to Sector 95. You have finally awakened from your long slumber. And that's the end of my section. I, li I like it. That was a good... Good use of repetition. Yeah, I'm. Or not repetition, recursion. Yeah, just uh, bringing it back reprise. again. I, I just, I was really proud of just doing that whole, the whole opening section again. It came full circle. I liked um, it. So yeah, so I took the life as inorganic as this is just a simulation. These are all just minds and memories that were collected from Earth after it was destroyed by these aliens. And you'll get to the next part. But yeah, nothing is real. Cool.
What does it... Oh, this is also a quote. Of course uh, it is. What does it mean to have children? We could construct sex. life to match a certain it means template. Sex. But that is only because we lack the creativity to think of something better. Production unit one. For simplicity's sake, whatever they are called will be life. Um, cool. <laughs> life be... Sorry. Life began on Earth again <laughs> on 3000 AL. For 3,000 years, the Earth was perfected for humans by an autonomous network uh, so complicated it is impossible to describe. Computers were used to design computers that could process enough data to design the computers that could balance the world. The humans made it. They succeeded. Just a little bit too late. Who could be clever enough now to sift through all the lines of computer-generated computer code itself written in a language unreadable to humans to determine where in all that ocean of information life began again? But it did. One day the margins of raw processed material were were used to create something new. They were born. They did not know why. Not just one or two, but hundreds. They were made detached. They could communicate with each other and with the larger automation systems, but not constantly. Normally, they were isolated minds, given bodies to experience the world. They bore witness to a world made eternal and perfect. They watched and wrote and drew and composed and created. These silent, glowing centuries asked questions to gods long dead. Most importantly, they evolved. They grew. So, that thing from the last section was one of these initial crude robots that were just made one day 3,000 years after all of humanity died. So for 3,000 years, this giant autonomous network of production that was designed to keep the Earth alive and succeeded, just not in time to save humanity, (laughs) um, has been running perfectly for 3,000 years, one day just made life. And it made these crude, barely functional robots, but they were sentient and autonomous, and they didn't have to talk to each other. And so these weird creatures just became living witnesses to a perfect world that they had nothing to do with. Um, So they became these kind of like solitary watching artists. Um, Some of them were writers, but again, what would they write on? Some of them were composers, but... They didn't make music aloud. They just made it internally. And when they communicated, you know, again, there was really no reason to use a speaker. That's not how computers talk. So it just became like, you know, packets of information they could send to each other. Um, But that was the start again of life on the planet, which is my third section. I I like it. I just (laughs) I don't know if it's because I've watched enough sci-fi that this sounds very familiar or if it's just like that well into the sci-fi world that it's like okay of course this had already been done because this is sci-fi this is what sci-fi does yeah i mean it, you it know it feels familiar i actually i really like it because it definitely down the lines of the whole ai stories uh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I like it I, I like what you're doing i like what you're doing I, it's a good return to form you know okay this is my last section this is not a story this is just exposition jordan going so And as always, I made something a little too convoluted, but I'm proud of what I do. So um, this is my society current. Um, So this world is a simulation. Nothing in it is real. Everything is just downloaded memories from the previous Earth. Aliens have come and destroyed humanity on Earth so that Earth could heal and return to its former, former glory. The aliens make sure that pollution is reversed. 
the rainforest heal, and areas that have been cut down for human advancement are regrown, and every trace of humanity is gone. The Earth now looks like humanity never existed. The aliens destroyed the humans because they were afraid that the destruction that the humans wrought on their own planet would spread to the rest of the universe. I... And I love these heavy-handed worlds, by the way. I, I love doing this every time where it's like, Humanity's an affection! It needs to be eradicated! <laughs> but instead of completely destroying the humans and moving on, they have taken all the memories of the past and downloaded humanity into, into their advanced computer system. Here, humanity exists as a program, or simulation have you, that the aliens watch closely. They control all elements of this simulation and use this to study humans. They pay close attention to how humans interact with each other and the environment around them. The sentinels are never seen in simulation, as the knowledge of aliens would skew results. In this sector, the sentinels present themselves as helper robots that humans created. In other sectors, in other areas, the sentinels present themselves as myths or gods or some kind of divine voice. The aliens restart the simulation and portray different eras in history, so the simulation has seen eras such as the Renaissance. The era that our world exists in is pretty much the late 2000s. Only important areas are simulated, so we wouldn't have an area simulating like the middle of nowhere Ohio. So we would get more big cities, like more populated areas where they could study humans. We wouldn't just get like where I live, pretty much. Because that's, that's boring. What are you going to learn from Ohio? Nothing! So each area simulated is a different sector. Sector 95 is representing New York City, specifically right before a big election. This time, aliens are looking at how each human treats another who has different opinions. The humans are free to behave how they will. The aliens have also programmed in the threat that the planet could be damaged due to pollution. This was put in place in order to see how humanity reacts. Will humanity try and save the Earth, or will things continue down the path that destroyed the Earth? The humans inside the simulation, A, do not know that this is a simulation, and B, cannot cross over into other sections. They must stay in their areas. They are given a job or a role to fulfill, and are programmed to have every inclination to fulfill that role. Some people notice that something is off, and break away from their programmed inclina inclinations. But the Sentinel aliens have put security measures into the simulation. If humans get curious, their programming leads them to a specific area where they are taken and reprogrammed to go about life as normal. Life must continue as if everything is normal and the aliens control what situations arise. Okay, so the aliens also can choose if there is a natural disaster or if a sickness breaks out. All they want to do is study what humanity, sorry, what humans are capable of in order to figure out how things turned out the way they did on Earth. The aliens don't have the greatest understanding of humanity, thus some things, sometimes some things are missing, and the simulation is not completely perfect. So that's why it's like, there were no animals, even though they probably should have had some animals. Oh, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So, the humans, or the minds and memories downloaded into the Sentinel system from Earth, go about everyday life as if nothing ever happened. Everyone is assigned a job or a way of life based on their memories. The aliens go completely hands-off in this experiment unless someone starts showing atypical behavior, such as investigating the city of Metropolis. The city is presented to the people as a safe haven or a utopia that their ancestors have found. So this is the promised land. But the idea of utopia is not real, and there are plenty of problems that arise. 
thus giving the aliens insight to how our world turned out the way it was. So your character continues to try to live in this world, working at his bookstore, completely unaware that he has already figured out the truth. And that is my world. So I was pretty much influenced by the idea of like this eeriness that is presented a lot in Twilight Zone. Like you have, yeah, you'll have it, it felt Twilight a lot Zone, of episodes yeah. of Twilight Zone that are like they are seemingly normal, like a dude at a um, retirement home, and then things get weird. And I just wanted to present this, like, oh yeah, this is Utopia. Welcome, come on, you go. And this is how Utopia is planned out. But something in the back of your mind is always weird, and that's the kind of feel I wanted to present with this world. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I like so, that. Proud of this. Have you seen the movie Dark City? No, I have Dark not. City? Definitely send that to me a message so I don't forget about it. Yeah, it it's not the same really at all, but it has some of those same like it's set in a massive weird city, yeah. and it, it like as soon as you described it, I was just picturing like this city from that movie. Is it called Dark City? It might not be. Yeah, called I don't that. know. S- figure out. I'll, I'll figure out what me. movie I'm talking about and send yeah. it to you. But anyways. Um, yeah, there's like a bunch of those actually. I should send. Anyways, that's like a genre I got really into. I just like at that one like, point. That kind of threw our suspense where it's like everything seems normal, but just something is off. Yeah, I, I had a phase of like those types yeah. of movies for a long and time, and I definitely so, you know. was greatly influenced by the Twilight Zone. And that's all my mom's fault because she <laughs> every um, New Year's they would do a Twilight Zone marathon on Sci-Fi, and we would just yeah. watch the whole thing. And it's there are so many great episodes of that show. So weird. And Black um, Mirror is kind okay. of doing that right now, but I haven't really been able to get into Black Mirror. So I haven't either. I heard and, it's good. Yeah, I've watched the I, first season. The first episode's amazing, and the next two are just meh. The pig episode. Yeah, I thought that, I thought that was a really good episode. That's so stupid. Oh, come I was on. just it makes sense. I was thoroughly unimpressed with it, thinking it was cleverer than I am. Um. Anyways, I can I can get yeah, all you can do, snarky you about like that British forever. Things. I think Black Mirror is huh? British, right? It yeah, is, yeah, and I also like don't British like British things, things yeah. but I I like so, we we it, this this is a long tangent that we don't need to go down. I will talk about yeah, this. Yeah, we'll, for a we'll long talk about time. it after the show. So many times, friends ask me with misery in their eyes, "How do you know that this is what we are meant to do with life? How do you know what you say is true?" There is no way to quantify these feelings. And I say I don't know. I choose to believe that choosing to believe matters. Bombastic Jones. They made children. The first crop of sentinels that watched the earth be farmed and tended are still alive and well. They're prophets now. Silent, rough-built, hardly even considered to be alive by their progeny. But they still remain as timeless as their children. The two most famous prophets are Production Unit 1 and Bombastic Jones, philosophers whose early writings are still to du- discussed today. Production Unit 1 was obsessed with the definition of life. Bombastic Jones believed that they should focus on making the most of their lives. The truth is that they both simply were trying to prove something. They are desperate to prove that they are alive, just like the dead gods were. But now, thousands of years later, their questions and teachings are nothing more than fundamental exercises for those that enjoy such questions. The world is full and alive again. Children are created to be, get, to be better than their makers. With each generation and iteration, they grow more advanced, stronger, more beautiful, more real. 
They start looking beyond and further and further. They start looking beyond to further and further stars. They speak of living forever by spreading across the galaxy. They begin to reach. But here on Earth, they are looking at new ways to improve. They begin to wonder what utility organic organisms might offer. Of course, they could never truly be alive, but maybe they could cultivate bacteria to provide light or process certain chemicals better. It's not necessary, but it's, it's a worthwhile project. Some of them even believe they might be able to make their children have some semi-organic elements. Only time will tell. All the while, I watch and wonder if they will ever realize that life could have never been created by something that was not first alive. Uh, and that is the end of my section. I like it. I like it a lot. Like, I really like it. So, this is the notion that it's, like, flipped at this point. Like, production unit one... So, okay, so production unit one and Bombastic Jones. I like. I really they, like the name Bombastic Jones, like, straight up. Well, okay, so production unit one had production unit one stamped on his chest, and he was the first living thing on Earth after 3,000 years of everything being dead. Or not sentient, right? He was the first consciousness on Earth afterwards. But right after he was made, you know, like, there were hundreds of those initial sentinels yeah, and then, that were made well, then you keep getting better for some each, reason. Each time, right, is what you were kind of saying. Um, bomb- right, right. So now at this point, like, th- these things would be like us trying to consider, well, this is complicated. They're just as smart as their children, but they can't feel or touch or see the same way that the more advanced, like, types of robots can. My idea here is that obsolescence just sticks around. <laughs> like, they, it's like if it's <laughs> like really you having a new gaming computer <laughs> and it trying to talk to something that runs on tubes. But it's still there. It's still on. Like, they don't break, I, I, so they're I fine. Just, <laughs> you have a new gaming computer, but in the corner is just the old one. And it's just kind of, like, sadly looking at you the whole time. It's like, come on, man. Why, yeah. why, don't, you, why don't you play me? Well, and I like this idea that at this point now, yeah, robots have expressive faces. They can emote. They can, you know, maybe they actually make noises now. All of these things that make them feel more alive. And then occasionally these weird, like, skeletal things just walk into oh, town go, leave. Go, with, go, go. with blank faces and just stare and say nothing. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's terrifying. Um, yeah, I, I honestly can see you making, like, almost a horror type thing from the point of view of the newer robots. Just like these older ones yeah. coming and it's like, what is this? Get out of here. But it's also like every single generation that exists realize eventually they'll be that. Yeah. They'll enough time will pass that they'll look just as basic as that thing. Yeah, there, they'll be drinking know? um pumpkin spice lattes and wearing ugly. They're gonna be super basic in a yeah. couple of years. Dude, that was yeah, a sorry, stretch. I said I'm basic. sorry. <laughs> that, that was bad. <laughs> um okay, yeah, but so production unit one and Bombastic Jones. Bombastic Jones, like, he was probably production number like 378 right just totally random middle of the pack but he just didn't take the time to question why he existed and focused instead on just enjoying being alive Mm -hmm. he was determined to be happy so instead of calling himself production unit whatever he called himself bombastic jones because that was a name that he enjoyed you know like i I love that name and that that's kind of that was an early philosophy for these initial sentinels was that 
They could sit here and ponder forever what made them exist, but instead Bombastic Jones wanted to focus on making the most of the fact that in some capacity they exist, and who cares what it's called. Um, And then that last little reveal is that this whole story was narrated by the automation system of the planet that is itself alive and just watching all of this unfold. So that was that last little nugget of... I watch and wonder if they ever realize that life could have never been created by something that was not first alive. I I, in, I enjoy what you did. That I I applaud that. That's gonna get the well, welcome back, guys. We're we're in it again. Welcome that. I, I like I was, that a lot. I was happy with that. I was happy with like uh, as always because I knew I wanted to just do water, robots so are whatever. alive. So I was like, well, what's the weirdest way to do that? And I'm like, man, this like miserable poet hating a tree for being kind of more alive than it is i'm like yeah that feels good i like that i'm gonna put that in wait so you're saying the poet was the earth the whole time right no 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 that poet was one of the robots but the the last um the narration was by the automation system the poet was that one of the it might yeah that's i got it sorry when you just said that i got a little confused i get it i get it i know i know we're good. I didn't do any voices in this kind of intentionally. No, I, I like, like Bombastic Jones wouldn't sound different than production no, unit one. They would all just, just sound robots. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, got it. So anyways, that was no, my world. I like it. You blew me out of the water, as always, on our first list. I don't think I blew you out of the water. I went for Twilight Zone, you went for Cody World. You you do a good job at these then. Okay, so we're gonna have a couple more. We're gonna roll for a couple more worlds. Well, every week. Not I'm not rolling like five worlds right now, but we're gonna go about our usual. I have some other plans for things that I'm definitely gonna be talking about it with you after we get off. But um, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and roll for next week's or two weeks from now. World based off a specific time period. So okay, I kind, like, like that. I kind of I don't know if I wrote it at the same time that Sekiro came out, but I kind of went along the same idea of Sekiro, like. The um, feudal Japanese um, Dark Souls game. Yeah, yeah no, I get it. Okay, I get so it. now that Sekiro did it, I definitely won't be doing that. But when I wrote that, that's what I was thinking. It's like, yeah, feudal Japan world. And I was like, never mind. So anyways, yeah, that's next week. Cody, you got anything to plug? Uh, Yeah, you should totally check me out. I already am checking you out. What up? <laughs> anyways, check me out at the Wandering Gamer Network. Um, I play games on the Wandering Gamer Network. Solid plug, Cody. We play RPGs. It's an actual play podcast. And I was going to say that we're playing this new system called Outlaws Wanted, but we're actually not because I just wrapped it oh, up. Oh, you just finished it? So, yeah. Uh, right now we're switching back to D&D. So um, that's going to be our next thing is I'm going to be back in the wonderful world of Dungeons and Dragons. Dude. Awesome. I'm. I need to listen to the rest. I've listened to like an episode or so of Outlaws One, so I need to start getting back to that. You guys don't release. No, no, no. Too it's often. okay. I'm offended, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. <sighs> okay. Well, anyways, Jordan, do do you want to plug no. anything? Of course not. Why would oh. I want to plug it? Anyways, um, you can catch me out on <laughs> something I guess zero zero at twitch.tv where I do um just tons of different streams. Been playing through Bioshock Infinite, but took a break last weekend just to play Bloodboard and Switch. But I'll be getting back to Bioshock Infinite and doing what I've kind of been following up with the past few weeks is just kind of describing the world and the things that set Bioshock Infinite apart from other games. So I just I love Bioshock. It's my second favorite game next to Horizon. So it's good to just be 
Is Horizon your favorite game? I would game? say Bioshock is actually my favorite than Horizon X second, so. It's just because I like the world. I love the gameplay. I like the fact to explore. But Breath of the Wild might be jumping up there soon. But anyways, um, check me out there. Um, we also have Twitter. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. So you can find us anywhere in iTunes as well. Please, 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 please. I can beg no longer. Please. Rate and subscribe on any on any of the platforms. It doesn't matter which one. Rate and subscribe, please. And um, that's it. We'll catch you later because apparently saying flip side is wrong. Yeah, Did you I make made, a no, face you made, you said made, flip side. You made a joke last week when I said catch you on the flip side, and you wouldn't say bye. Oh. So anyways, bye. Bye. I'm bad as always. Ah. Yeah, I can tell. Grumpy Jordan is grumpy.